0: Welcome to how to cope every episode writer becky howard that's me and my friend psychotherapist lucy clyde will be talking about how we can look after our mental health during the coronavirus crisis and beyond because whatever type of pandemic you're having it's hard on all of us so let's try and get through it the best way we can by talking this week we're talking to harriet walker fashion editor of the times about being pregnant and having a baby during a pandemic You know i wanted to ask you today yes. and i think yes. i have never asked you this yeah is have so we've been going through this for almost a year mm. have you developed any weird pandemic slash lockdown related addictions new addictions oh because mine is this little evil friend which is a can of diet coke I mean other soft drinks are available but I'm sure they're not half as addictive as this thing and I hadn't been drinking diet coke regularly for years I'd weaned myself off it because there's nothing particularly very good in it is there and I found that during that first lockdown I just went straight back to it it was like it was like drugs I was back on it every day at 11 a.m. Ooh. that cold can
1: yeah you see now I, I have to say that I share I share your 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 addiction actually uh, but for me it's two it's two o'clock in the afternoon and it's regular as clockwork and again like you I just I don't think since I was you know doing kind of um I think the last time I relied on it heavily in any way was when I was at university mm. to kind of push through because it's got it's got some stuff in it that really picks you up Hi. Hi. Hi
2: Hi, Harriet. Your setup looks much more professional than mine I'm afraid. Well we've had to make do
0: I promise this is this is no fancy studio this is cupboard for me (laughs) but with some nice tiles soundproofing tiles. Okay. And Lucy's is a um, well, Lucy, you would explain it. It's
1: it's a, it's a it's it's a tent, uh, a tiny little tent. Uh, so I've got my my knees are like here by my chin, and it's made of a laundry area and a du and a spare duvet.
2: Brilliant! So you yeah, can't re- like, no gesticulating for you then. Well, I can sort of I'm myself. Minimal.
0: A pleasure. We you know, we were actually just chatting about. We were comparing. Well, we were trying to compare lockdown addictions, but then we realised we had the same one, which is this bad boy.
2: That I think I feel like I've just given my control away. I I went full into chocolate pudding and sweets. That was my lockdown. I, that was I, your lockdown addiction. It was. Yeah, like I'm sure before lockdown happened, I could have a meal that didn't have pudding. And now, why would I not have to do I just can't do it. Well, why not? I mean, that is—I <laughs>
1: think that is, that is the question. Is why wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. What was why? I doing? Why would <laughs> I stop myself doing anything like that now? Yeah, yeah. But also, Harry, it was different
0: for you, wasn't it? Because you were pregnant during lockdown.
2: Yeah, so that, I really felt like that gave me licence to oh, uh, definitely. do whatever I wanted. <laughs> yeah.
0: I really must introduce you before we get stuck in. Um, so today we're joined by Harriet Walker, who is the fashion editor of The Times, um, currently on maternity leave, um, and also and an author of a book that came out earlier this year, um, The New Girl, and
2: another book coming out, is it next year or the year after? Uh, next year, yeah. Or maybe this year by the time this airs. I'm not sure. Yes. Twenty twenty one. Yes, twenty twenty one. Fantastic.
0: Um so Harriet, we really wanted to speak to you for this run out of the series because we we're really finding it's so helpful and insightful getting other people's experiences of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, because absolutely nobody had an identical experience of, of the the chaos of, of this year. Um but yours was very singular because you were pregnant and had a baby this year.
2: Uh, Yeah, I did. So I actually, um, I got pregnant when the world was normal. I started telling people people (laughs) about it. I think the week we went into lockdown. um, uh, I I sort of grew it during lockdown. Uh, Then I went to some restaurants over the summer. And then when we went into the other lockdown, I had it. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah. And can we, we
1: can, can, can we give
2: him Can we give him a name? Oh, it, um, he's called Dougie, and okay. he is seven weeks old.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Well,
2: congratulations,
0: first yeah. of all. That's. I mean, yeah. it's it's always wonderful and and crazy and everything. Or, you know, whenever whenever a baby arrives, um, but I can't imagine how different and scary in many ways it must have felt this year and I'm really interested to hear from you as because as, he's your second is that right?
2: He is yeah so my lockdown the, the focus of this year really has not been him um, and I realise that's probably the same with every second pregnancy but for <laughs> the first you know the, the first quarter of the year pretty much my three-year-old was not in nursery um, and me and my husband were still working pretty much full time. Um, we were incredibly lucky. We have very um, generous, kind, understanding bosses. Um, and uh, you know, I'm a I'm a journalist. My husband's a journalist as well. So he was because he's an editor. He was able to move his shifts. So they started a bit earlier. And because I'm a writer, obviously my deadlines aren't flexible. But when I do the writing, can be. Mm us we were doing kind of half day shifts each with her and then we'd swap over and do our actual paid work (laughs) um and then both of those shifts finished at about eight or nine o'clock at night oh Um, god it was i mean i I know lots of people who were still up at 2am doing the work they hadn't done in the day so i actually feel Mm. like we got away with it you know we were quite lucky with our setup um but it was just exhausting. And I think factoring in also being pregnant at that point, there are obviously there are kind of ups and downs to pregnancy and you're more or less tired depending on what you're mm. growing that week. Um, and the, but the beginning is a really intense uh, nauseous <laughs> and quite, um, quite kind of emotionally wobbly time, or it, it, was, yeah. it was for me with both of my babies. And um, so that was like all happening at the same time as well. So I've, I've spoken to other women with children who had, you know, small children during lockdown who spoke about being very um, kind of on an emotional knife edge quite a lot. So I don't think I was, I wasn't, I wasn't that different from them, but I did have this added kind of, just this hormonal mess I was in really. So it was, it was a very intense, there were good feelings and bad feelings, but all of them were very, very heightened (laughs) throughout. Yes.
1: Yes. And do you, do you, I mean, because obviously you've you know you've done this once before, right? Mm-hmm. What a pandemic grading! <laughs> so you've had you've had that experience of the hormonal ups and downs, and the mm-hmm. kind of you know that weird exhaustion that sort of wipes you out at strange times of the day, and yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. So I imagine that when you got pregnant, you had a, or first realized you were pregnant, you you must have had a slight sense of well, I know what this is a bit like. You, this idea that you sort of know what you're in for and then a pandemic hits
2: yeah how different was it in in some ways not different i think to how it would have been normally because obviously with a second child if you have a toddler everyone says yeah baby is not your priority it's not your focus it's, it's you know the toddler still needs your complete attention and she did but in a way that was so much more complete than i would have predicted because she was yeah, there, she's there all day <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. it made me realize how much. And I actually wrote a piece for the Times about this and got uh, extensively trolled online for it. Um, it re- made me realize how much of my uh, life um, as a mother who has a job I outsource to other women. Because yeah. the women who look after my child in the day when I'm in during office hours, mm. the woman who cleans my home. Mm. Um, the community of women that I rely on to share problems or to discuss things with, you know, friends who also have children and who don't have children, um, I didn't have them, and, that... and it makes a massive difference.
0: And I know, I know, I totally, you know, that that idea of like you can't say anything because you'll get pulled apart for it mm-hmm. on on social media is it's impossible, isn't it? But. I remember reading something not dissimilar to this, not related to the pandemic, um, a number of years ago when a writer wrote about having her team. And it's it's that idea that what makes your life work mm. is all these people who their jobs might be, you know, helping you or looking after your kids or mm. or delivering something or, you, you know, so it's you don't do it on your own and you never do nobody does even if you don't might have might not have a living nanny or, or whatever it is and this idea that we're supposed to do everything by ourselves in order to be suitably kind of uh brilliant perfect mum having it all blah blah whatever that is mm-hmm. is just a, a fiction and it
2: always was a fiction oh yeah totally and I think um you know there's one of the things I was so surprised at when I when this piece came out um, was the violence of reaction among, um, among women who are used to staying at home with their children. Um, and the piece was not at all an attack on women who, who <clears throat> do childcare rather than office work. It wasn't that. Um, it was the fact that I was essentially being a stay-at-home mum without having chosen to and doing a full-time job at the same time. And I also was trying to promote a book that was about to come out yeah, <laughs> it was it was just more than one person could do, and and um you know I say all of that with uh, it, it's a it's a life you know I chose to write a book outside of my full time job I gave myself that extra work to do, um but there was a real I felt like there was a real uh, trope during lockdown of privilege checking which is not always a bad thing at all but I don't think it's always that helpful because yes I acknowledge that um. I I didn't lose my job, we're not close to destitution, we didn't have to, you know, we, we knew where our next meal was coming from, but that didn't necessarily make it any easier in that moment. Um, no. Stuff on Twitter about, you know, well, how dare you complain about the fact that you're doing three jobs at the same time. <laughs> the so the which...
1: privilege checking is so difficult because, as you say, it is often not a bad thing, right, to kind of just be
2: aware
1: and check your reality actually Mm -hmm. and you know just watch the whinging sometimes and also it's very it's a very powerful silencer Mm -hmm. and I think if we internalize it so if it becomes part of our mental and emotional internal world it stops us having our feelings it's just another way of telling somebody to pull their socks up or that they have no right to their feelings and Mm -hmm. And I, you know, from a mental health perspective, really worry about that actually because I think, you know, we are going to have feelings about all kinds of things, and you know, you're pregnant, you're going to have feelings Mm -hmm. (laughs) about that. You've got to, you're going to have feelings. You're holding down a job, yeah, that's hard, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, you know, this is this is extremely intense, and it strikes me that the sort of the levels of checking. That are directed at women are so misogynistic, and nobody would ever tell a man that he had to run a company and bring up children on his own without any support. And if he complained, then he was just whinging and. And he's not a proper dad. And he's not. And he's not a proper dad, and he's made his choices, and there would just not be that level of venom. And the reality is that you know, if you work in an organization, then you have. Everybody is supporting everyone else. We're all part of a system. Mm-hmm. In order to be OK, we need to exist within a system. So to pretend that somehow mothers, particularly, uh, should somehow be doing it all on their own is just venomous and misogynistic. And
2: well, one, of the, one of the funniest and I thought most telling comments that I got um, on Twitter was, um, oh, poor you having to look after your own kids. And I thought, well, oh. clearly you don't have kids because you—that is actually something that everyone does if they have to. That's so true. That is so true.
0: When we when uh, when we did the first run out of this in the first lockdown, um, one of our sort of most kind of the, the episode that kind of resonated the most with people, or it seemed to, was the one about crappy pandemic parenting, um, and because it just was you know it just was unbelievable and I think for many of us we felt like we may have had some actually really special moments uh, you know those little kind of gems that that Mm. did crop up every now and then but I uh, personally for me and for a few people I know we really plumbed some depths that we never
2: ever thought we'd get to as parents where you just go who am I (laughs) what am I doing I had this feeling of familiarity when lockdown happened and I was trying to pinpoint what it was that I was had this kind of sense memory of I was feeling Mm -hmm. lonely isolated anxious full of self-doubt couldn't figure out if I was doing the right thing day to day hour to hour even really worrying about work and worrying about what I was doing with my daughter worrying about the pregnancy and I realized what I was having was a a kind of early maternity leave (laughs) 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 Oh yes, with my daughter I had a she was a really easy contented baby but I was really surprised by those first I would say the first six months I guess three months the first three months being the most intense wave of it mm-hmm. by this kind of almost terror I, I felt like uh waves of of fear leaving the house every time I put her in her buggy to go outside and it was stuff like will we get run over today will yeah. I drop her you know, will I, will she kind of fall out of the car window as we're driving along? Stuff like that. Will I fall down the stairs with her today? All of these kind of very natural, I realise, feelings um, that kind of prepare you to look after a child out in the world. Yeah. Um, but I was having all of that in lockdown with a toddler yeah. and a baby that hadn't been born yet. So it felt like this kind of weird, a kind of premature premature mat leave yeah, actually yeah. worse
0: than real mat leave because we mm-hmm. couldn't even escape you couldn't even escape to coffee coffee shops or anything back mm-hmm. then could you,
1: you no other grown-ups to bounce that experience off and reality check and ground yourself right
2: yeah I had I, my husband is incredibly supportive and we have a very we're very lucky to have quite a, an equal split in how we do our parenting yeah. even in in normal times which yeah. I think um, is is rare we're very lucky to have that and and we did split it pretty much 50/50 throughout lockdown as well and when i was feeling weak and sick he, he swung in and helped and he was brilliant um but yeah it was this real it was a it was like a sense memory I, I it was so similar to how i'd felt during that first maternity leave and i think the the other strange thing was this um the the book that was coming out this summer let's so, say you know uh July 2020 was one that I wrote at the end of that maternity leave about someone being terrified after having had a baby. So I was kind of... <laughs> once I'd finished that book, I sort of put it to one side and thought, well, I'm glad I worked through my feelings in that. And that's all done. <laughs> yeah. um, but here then, we go again. Yeah, and when I got pregnant again, I thought, actually, this is going to be a really sunny maternity leave because I've done the anxious bit and everyone who's had their second baby ahead of me says, it's great this time round because you, all that terror you've dealt with it and you know that you can do it you've done it before so you just enjoy the kind of the smiles and the and the nappies I guess um but it was really weird to be working through all that stuff again. During that first intense sort
0: of three four months um of lockdown
2: mm. what
0: would you say was your your toughest point was it having to deal with that like nasty trolling of an article or was
2: it was it something else? That that I wouldn't say that was my lowest point. That was the point when I realised just how um, sort of weak, not weak, porous I was. That mm. uh, that my emotions were all very, very close to the surface. Um, because obviously, I've been a journalist for um, well, well, over a decade. And I've had trolls before, and I've had below the line, comments, and much worse than that. My God, you know, I've had some really unpleasant things written beneath <laughs> articles that mm. people who've emailed me directly to tell me how rubbish I am. Um, so oh, that's I, nice. Yeah, yeah. Always, I absolutely, always. to take the time. <laughs> <laughs> reaction to reading an article. Um, so I'm kind of used to that, but when it happened this time, I've, it really knocked me for six. And I did that. Made me think, Gosh, everything is. I'm, I'm wearing all my feelings on the outside at the moment. Um, so that was kind of when I realised what lockdown had kind of done to me. Kind of, mm. I don't think I'm not a tough person normally, but I am fairly resilient, and I just realised at that point that I wasn't.
0: And you shouldn't have to be as well, because also there's that is that element of like you're pregnant plus no what one, no one's equipped. We weren't ready. No one was ready to deal with this. No one, you know, none of us. Mm. And it was so difficult at times to remind ourselves that all of our strange behaviours and feelings that might be unusual
2: to us was probably because we were so stressed about what was going on in the world. Totally. And I wonder if that's where some of the the venom and the misogyny that you mentioned came from. Because it did seem to be, maybe I was just primed to notice it, maybe other groups would say they had noticed other things as well. But at the beginning of lockdown, it felt like there was a new attack on women every day or every week. And it was to do with childcare, um, working hours, um, the pay gap, whether you have a cleaner or not. Because I think oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, trying to do everything at once at home were suddenly realising that it was really difficult and that um, as much as you try, that emotional load is with you most of the time. It's not necessarily with your partner. And so as women began to talk about that more, people punched them down again. And I think that that reaction, that kind of punching down, came from... A group of very unsettled people who had been thrown into disarray by by lockdown and by the pandemic. Yeah. You don't behave like that. You're not so full of fury and and uh, resentment when you're content and you're not worrying about where the next conflict coming from. No.
0: What did you call it, Lucy? You called it. Um that kind of that tendency did we sort of the race to the bottom that whole like
1: yeah I I had a very good which I I this isn't a term I've coined but um somebody talked about oppression Olympics so uh the idea of you can't complain because so many more people are worse off than you and you know so there is this idea that if everybody if everybody's worse off than you right then that pretty much leaves one person in the world who's allowed to complain (laughs) about their life. And that has to be a person in the worst possible circumstances. And it means that none of us are allowed to deploy our emotional intelligence. You know, none of us are allowed to have feelings for ourselves or for others that are anything other than, well, you know, aren't you lucky? You know, it reduces everything to resentment and contempt, and that's a very, very, very dangerous platform to conduct human relationships on.
2: I mean, but they're just—they are the least attractive and least pleasant qualities humans can display to towards each other. I yeah, think. and deeply destructive. Of
1: and course. I think—and
2: I think you're right about
1: the porousness. I think, um, you know, I'm sure it was heightened with you because you were pregnant and also i think a lot of us were feeling very 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 porous and febrile during all of that and very um blown off course by tiny things mm, totally. and, and i think yes a lot of people resorted to 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 online verbal violence as a result yeah.
2: it really some of that kind of twitter reaction not just to me but to other, other people as well it really reminded me of um you know when you're a, when you're a child and you can't finish your tea and your mum says um or they're starving children in africa. Yeah. Okay, so that, that is an important point to note, but it's not instructive at this moment yeah. to help me finish my tea or to make me less full, cool, you know. It's yeah. Not, no.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: That yeah, now. that is perhaps an issue that we could discuss as another
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you get kids to finish their dinner? I still haven't worked it out, and I've got, you know, they're all get a bit older now. But anyway, um, I did want to ask you, Harriet, about mm. bringing your book out um, yeah. in July, mm. um, the new girl. So obviously, you you'd done it; it was all finished, all your edits and everything like that. How did it feel then to bring it out? at that time as opposed to what it might have felt like or what you expected it might have felt like
2: well yeah so basically I I put a book out as lots of other authors did this year um Mm. in the world where all the bookshops were closed um so who knows what how it would have been different I I suspect having spoken to other authors um you know more seasoned writers than than me who've had lots of books out in normal times there is always an element of um of damp squib so it's you know it's it's really anticlimactic I think to put a book out so in that way it was probably fairly similar um, did you feel
0: that sense of did you have that sense of uh, giving yourself a moment to go oh it's such a shame it's coming out now why can't it you know because it's it is different now
2: yeah I, I totally did and I think also Um, you know right at the beginning of of lockdown or or rather right at the beginning of realizing that actually this wasn't really like flu and it would probably be different I remember talking to my agent and maybe maybe my editor as well and saying well could we could we push back publication and they said well we are doing that with some people um, because uh, the people who are publishing in March will push them back to May because it will probably be done by then Oh yes. That's what we all thought, didn't we? Oh, yes. So don't worry Harriet, by July everything will be done. Yeah. yeah. And and looking back on that now we were all just very, you know, we were, we of course we were naive and there's no point um you know being scornful about that because who nobody knew what was going on. Um but I I did I gave myself a moment to mourn because I felt like if I didn't it would be something that I carried with me. Yeah. I, it, what I didn't want it to turn into was Oh, life's so unfair, and of course, that happened to my book, and it you know, this would happen to me. I don't feel like that. I feel like, um, this has been an incredibly unlucky year for absolutely everyone involved, in yeah, um, yeah. And I feel like I don't have as much to complain about as many, many other people. Um, also, I've, I've, I've begun to think of having a book out during lockdown as a kind of fig leaf for the fact that it might have done really badly anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then where would you have gone with that yeah exactly. But you know there's always an element of every creative process where you write it or you you know you, you create it and you make it and during all of that you're kind of thinking this is so good this is the best thing that anyone's ever done and then you <laughs> create it and you release it onto the world and you think oh no it's it's crap and everyone's going to realize yeah and so, you know maybe lockdown helped with that actually.
0: <laughs> the
2: creative process
0: Harriet I, I am empathising very very hard with you right now it's it's an emotional roller coaster at any time I think. Um. So so obviously you know you, you got through releasing your book at a very tricky time and then obviously you were heavily pregnant and you had your son in October or September was it? October yeah. October what was that experience like compared with you know, having having a child, having a baby in a COVID-secure hospital, I mean, what's
2: that like? Well, again, I feel like I was very lucky on that front. I had um, two friends who gave birth during the first, you know, I think of it as proper lockdown, yeah. first lockdown, and one of them um, had to do it alone, and her partner came in for the kind of final five minutes and then held the baby and was ushered away. Oh, uh, God. Which... And that terrified me, the idea of doing that. I just, I I don't think, I'm not sure how I would, I guess I would have done it because lots of women did. But Mm I I think that's something that would stay with you. And I was very glad that I didn't have that experience. Um, I I don't know how other hospitals did it, but I was at King's. I had a, um, it was, I was in the midwife unit. So I wasn't on a ward, which I think helped because I think, I don't think partners were allowed on the ward the whole time. Um, so it felt actually very normal. Um, the midwife, she must have had a mask on. I didn't have to wear a mask, neither did my partner. Um, we were in quite a big room, so that it was easy enough to distance. I, I remember Dougie was born at quarter to two in the morning, and there was some new set of regulations that kicked in at 1am. And I remember thinking, I'm trying to think what, what the regulations were at that point, because it wasn't lockdown and it wasn't a tier system. It, it might have just been... I think that was the, I think that was the final it was a Friday night and it was the final night of pubs closing at eleven. Oh, I think that was it. right <laughs> so okay he, he was sort of born in the new regime of everyone having to do take- <laughs> at
0: nine pm it was that little that little window
2: well I, I remember sending lots of text messages uh, during lockdown one that said um, that I predicted giving birth at the beginning of the second wave sort of mid-october mm-hmm. um, and I like to think that if i could have predicted that it's strange that the government didn't see that
0: <laughs> there are <laughs> so many oh, so i know you.
2: i was watching chris Whitty very carefully i don't know why they weren't yeah um, his body was,
1: language said so much
2: <laughs> and he always said you know yeah look I'm at the beginning of october yep. my um, wow. due date was the 9th um, and so i yeah I, I, I said to loads of people over the summer well you know I'm sure he'll be born just as we go into lockdown. Um, as it was, he was born just before we went back into lockdown. But it meant the first sort of month of his life, we did, he didn't see anyone who wasn't me and or his dad. Oh, and, and how
0: his- has that been? I mean, that I, I've always I've been thinking on and off for people who have had newborns, not being able to show them off to relatives or not being able to meet up with friend, you know, friends must be really
2: hard. I mean, how is that? And um, it's been less hard recently because, you know, you can go, you can meet up with people in the park and go for a walk. And I know lots of people who don't have children or who aren't on maternity leave have poo pooed that as the weather's got worse. But obviously anyone who has done maternity leave knows that m- most of it is spent walking around in the rain yes. with your hood up. <laughs> um, so that has actually been yeah. normal, meeting other women with their hoods up. We've been doing that a lot. Um, the strangest thing I think was not having that parade of visitors right at the beginning. Um, and that was, that was sad because obviously you do want to show them off, but there was an upside, which was that um, we had a parade of kind of meal and cake deliveries um, to the door that people sent instead of coming. <laughs> so That was kind of amazing. Well, in
1: some way, Harriet, you know, I'm not sure that that isn't the better deal. Not that, not that visitors aren't lovely, but, you know, they do leave an awful lot of teacups that need washing up and they very rarely drive without lunch for you. So I'm thinking that actually you might have, you know, there is sort of that you may have won a little bit on that
2: one.
0: And in terms of sort of reflecting on what kind of, you know, within yourself, you've really had to draw on um, to, to get through the various challenges of this time. Have you learned anything about yourself?
2: Yes, Um I I have definitely learnt that I I deal with difficult things by acknowledging them and then refusing to think about them at least for that day, um, and then maybe for the next day acknowledging them again and then pushing them as far as <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: denial is is a wonderful wonderful thing.
2: Yeah, I don't know whether it's denial or my mum. My mum's um, advice always. I've always been a worrier, and she always just used to say. Don't look over the battlements. Just deal with what's
1: yeah
2: what's in your face at that moment. And that's, I think that's how I am normally anyway, but I really, really, that's how I did lockdown, basically.
1: Um, just one step at a time, very kind yeah. of tiny bit by tiny
2: bit. Yeah, just kind yeah. of deal with what's in your face and then yeah. move on to the thing, and yeah. don't, because I think I did have a, a completely sleepless night at the beginning of everything, as I think everyone did, because um, I spoke to friends afterwards and I said, oh, if I just lay awake. Um, wondering about like when we would reach martial law and yeah yeah would, um, like steal all the pasta I've put in the shed yes and my friend said yeah oh yes I've had that as well that seemed to be quite a common reaction yes
1: it was lots of people were, were so terrified by the uncertainty that mm. our minds went to very 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 frightened frightening places but I think that sort of sometimes that's just rehearsing the worst case scenario so that we know we can deal with it if and when it comes. You know, it's kind of like hoping for the best and planning for the
2: worst. A bit. I, I mean, that, that also is, um, I think, a real function of maternity leave. Like I was saying, that that kind of terror that you have, that you, I remember really distinctly envisaging all the terrible things that could happen to my baby and telling someone about them. And, and they said, well, that's just, that's you preparing so that those things don't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
0: it's painful, isn't it? It's painful to have to think about them, and and then you you are changed. You are that person from from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember someone describing it to me once, like you, it's like you've had a layer of skin pe- peeled back. Yeah, you know. I know it's a bit horrible to think about it, but it is. You're you're more vulnerable now for forever, but then also a bit stronger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have? I know it's it's difficult to kind of project into the future, um, especially right now, but in the next year mm-hmm. assuming we get to a position where things are a bit better than they are now mm-hmm. what will you be looking forward to doing most that you haven't been able to do oh
2: see all my friends at once I, I think I mean that that makes me sound like I've got loads of friends and I really I haven't <laughs> <My> family, yeah a <laughs> <laughs> 100 God. of your closest and <laughs> <interesting>. um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read it like that <laughs> um you know i me and my husband have a really a lovely group of yeah. like like 10 or so other people and we have seen them but we've seen them individually and it's just not it's just not the same um and we were talking to one of them a few weeks ago and, and she was saying do you remember that year when like four out of the group of us um four couples got married in one year and we just had these like giant parties sort of one a month for over the summer and it was wonderful and maybe we'll just do that when it goes back to normal (laughs) it's the packing people into a room
0: thing isn't it It, it, and not not thinking about it not worrying about it Mm. that
2: will feel quite intoxicating I think I'm really looking forward to going back to I hope um, being able to watch old tv and seeing a crowd scene and not thinking, "Oh my God, they're all too close! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what
1: are you doing? What are you doing? Move away! Move away! Open the window! Put on the mask!" Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I, t- I tend to go, "Oh, oh, look at that! They don't know what's coming." <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, a collective look at all of us. Oh, bless us! Look at us. Totally, and I feel I do. I look back at um, you know, I I think I had a. a my last night out was um, probably a, it, last December. It was a Christmas party, and that's partly because I was then pregnant in January. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look back at that that woman who went on that night out and just think, "Oh my god, she was so naive." And it, <laughs> I, I think I was being really gullible somehow. But obviously, <laughs> even
1: my fault. I know. If camping. you could, if you could go back, what would you say to January
2: you? Um. Well, interestingly, the, the I, I might say make the most of Fashion Week this time round because it looks like it might never happen again. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. Wow. Um, and I, I yeah, that the the week of Paris shows in February was the week before, maybe it was two weeks before the UK lockdown, and they seemed much more ahead of things in France, as, as in, not policy wise, but just being worried about it. And so mm-hmm. by this, so did.
0: Did the Fashion Week take place as per normal? Was it everyone over there and totally, going to the shows?
2: Totally normal. In a very strange way. Um, everyone wow. into these venues, which are big, but there's also a lot of people in yeah. them. And I just remember sitting on the front row, refreshing the Times homepage and watching the cases tick up and thinking, this is weird that we're all still in <laughs> proximity um in a city where this disease definitely is. Having all come here from Milan, which was locked down the night that we left wow. oh my gosh yeah it was weird. oh my gosh really yeah very very odd and i think not that i was ahead of the curve or anything really but i but definitely by the time i got back to london i felt like i was more alert to it than people yeah who were at home. um and actually we cancelled a visit that my parents were going to make we were they were going to come down and we were all going to the theater and and i and they're they're, they're not vulnerable but they're over 17. And we had a very long conversation where I said, Okay, I d I don't think we should go to the theatre. But that wasn't the advice at that point. The government no. still I think that you know, everyone was still going to the races at that point. Oh, uh, that, yes. that
0: will go that, down in history, won't it? that? That big
2: shot of it was at the yeah. Cheltenham Gold Cup yeah. or something. Yeah, it was that weekend. And I'm so glad that we changed our plans.
0: It was it took it took it took took a surprisingly long time for us all to get to grips with what was actually happening. There was a lot of denial. Mm. Um but yeah, interesting to have those memories, isn't there? Because I think over time that will become even more powerful of of the last the last hurrah.
2: Yeah. Perhaps. Yes. It's very strange. I think there are very few moments in life. Maybe maybe it's uh maybe having a child is, is one similar. Uh but you know where there is a before you and an after you. Yeah i think this it's rare that that happens isn't it, it
1: is. and i Massively. think i think one of the things that's so i mean a bit like kind of those big big life transitions is that you don't know what after you who after you is going to be <laughs> No, you know so um, we have no idea right
2: yeah yeah and i and i think also the the idea of what what the after us will look like i i keep thinking obviously i want things to go back to normal i really really do but i i don't want the normal to be unchanged by this, because that would be really depressing somehow. If that was, we'd learn
0: nothing from it.
2: Yeah. If we what were just, changes there, would there, you
1: there, like to see? What would you? What do you?
2: Oh, uh, if you know the standard thing, it, it was really nice to spend more time outdoors. Like yeah. that, you know, okay. it has been really. I've definitely noticed the world around me. You know, even in London, the way the, the way nature changed. I was out walking in the park every day, and I never ever would have done that before this. Um, the working from home i think you know that's really important that we continue to, for for parents but and non parents but particularly for to try and create some equality between mothers and fathers i think working from home is really important um just generally well you know how we treat the the less well off how we treat and i don't mean economically i mean people who are who need company or who need a bit of help with their shopping mm-hmm. there are things that could come out of this
0: i absolutely agree that i I don't think we will be unchanged I don't think we will I don't think it's possible but I don't think also any of us know exactly what will mm-hmm. five years' time us look like mm-hmm. um but thank you so much Harriet i really i loved speaking to you today
1: yeah it's been great thank you I and mean, it's such a like, it's such an interesting thing to think about sort of you undergoing such a massive massive thing as pregnancy in the middle of all of this
2: I think also the weird thing was um. Because I obviously didn't really see anyone in person from the beginning to the end. That when I did see people, I was, I'd gone from normal to like enormously pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) No in between and no kind of um, pregnant. Um, Yes,
0: no stages, (laughs) just straight all into the eight month shape. Oh, brilliant. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Thank 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 you.
1: Email
0: <laughs> um, to you. But, Take
1: me. care. All right. Thanks, Harriet. Take care. Take- Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to How to Cope with Becky Howard and Lucy Clyde. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review, like and subscribe. It makes a huge difference and we really appreciate it. The music is Cold Funk by Kevin MacLeod and used under a Creative Commons license. You can follow us on Twitter too, at cope underscore podcast. Thanks again and check in soon for the next episode of How to Cope.